I think that opens up a broader conversation, though, about training and competing. And I feel that a lot of times people, and and I'm not saying that you fall into this camp, but I do think it's common that a lot of times people will, through their training, they will start to, intentionally or not, maximize the performance of a movement without necessarily preserving the intention behind that movement. And so like, in my opinion, if you have a movement like a pull-up, the ultimate goal is to be the best at the hardest version of the pull-up that you can pull off, not to be the most efficient at the one that allows you to do the most reps. And I think people mix that up a lot. And so in the case of the handstand push-up, I'm like, okay, you have somebody that's like truly competent at the handstand push-up. If their hand position is here or here, yeah, obviously there's a mechanical difference, but it shouldn't take them out of their game that much, you know? And at the point that it does, are you really training the handstand push-up or are you just training this one narrow expression of it so that you can compete in what you hope is gonna be that same narrow expression? And I think that's missing the mark a little bit, you know, so. Hi, my name is Scott Schweitzer and I am the Clydesdale. My friends Amy Rudowski, Charlie Yodi, Kat Shear love fitness as a sport as much as I do. We are all 40 plus Masters Age athletes who give all we have to lead a healthy, active life. We also want to bring you athlete interviews, human interest stories, and all the news surrounding the sport of fitness. If you like what you hear, consider giving us a five-star rating and writing a review. We are also available with full video on YouTube at the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast, as well as all traditional podcast platforms. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at the Clydesdale underscore fitness and friends. And now, off to this week's episode of the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Podcast. Hey, how are you guys? Can you hear me? Yeah, got you now. Yeah. Yeah, cool. It always takes me a second to uh, get things set up. I'm in my garage, so I don't have internet out here, so I have to do it all off my phone. Um, so it takes a second to like dial in and, and get the audio up and running. So anyway, yeah, I'm here. Hi. <laughs> awesome. I figured, I, I figured I'd call in a few minutes early just to get that all set. Yeah, you sound good, so. Cool. Wow, that's quite the setup you've got there. Oh, me? Can you see this? Look at this. Wait, hold on. I'll give you the tour. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's my two-car garage. That's awesome. Slash CrossFit Clarity official as of May 1st. Cool. Congrats. Thank you. And mine are just a few trinkets from volunteering over the years. Yeah, well, it looks <clears throat> it looks really dramatic, Scott. It's like a, it's a nice, uh, nice. I don't know what you want to call that broadcast cave. Yeah, it looks pod, good. We call it the Pod Center, but you know. Yeah, there you go. Pod For, yeah. former man cave. Cool. That's great, and I, I have two plyo boxes and a piece of plywood. Um, that's, in a case. Hey, that's that's what I'm rocking too. I got a, a plywood a plyo box. 
got my uh, my camera set up and I'm sitting on my bench. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. See, I need I need yeah. somewhere to put my legs, so I had to make a table because I used to just do that right. and it, I would get so uncomfortable. So now I gotta now I can put my arms somewhere. Right on. <clears throat> so tell, right. tell me a little bit about you guys' podcast. Or are we are we roll? What are we doing? We is this, yeah, are we doing live. it? We're live. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We we usually do like a little introduction, but yeah, we'll, we'll go okay. informal today. Uh, so the podcast, we've been around since November 1st of 19. Um, nice. You know, because it's just a fun passion thing that I like to do. And, and I like, I love to hear stories. Um, we can joined me about 25 episodes in. Yeah. And we oh, wow. just hit, so you guys we, have been cranking. Yeah. And we just hit 50 on Monday. Oh, congrats. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and it's grown at a rate that was pretty alarming. Um, and I wasn't sure I was able to keep up with it, but, uh, we got some co-hosts and, uh, got some new software and it's going really well. Really excited. Yeah. Right on. Wow. Congrats, man. That's, that's great. Glad to hear that you guys are uh, popular as it should be, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. And and you are our first official HQ employee guest. We've had a few former employees, but yeah. Okay. Who did you guys have on? Um, we had Bill Grundler, we had Sean Woodland, Tommy Marquez, uh, Marston oh, nice. Heber. Marston Heber, yep. yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you guys are punching down now by coming to me. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you no, kidding no. me? <laughs> I'm, I'm most excited for this one, Adrian, for sure. This is going to oh, be Oh, so man. We, we don't hear a lot about you. You know, you kind of stay under the radar. So this is really, we're so appreciative that you're doing this for us. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I always like chatting to people. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's funny, the fly under the radar thing. It's, it's interesting. Um, I've been around CrossFit and the CrossFit world for a long time now. And uh, there's definitely like ebbs and flows of visibility and, and things like that. And one of the things that to me, I think is important as the movement gets bigger and things like that is, is that, you know, it never should be a cult of personality type of movement, in my opinion. You know, it should stand on its own two feet enough. And yeah, there's always going to be people that uh, kind of champion it and stick out because of their leadership or their, you know, ability to put themselves out there, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't be necessary, in my opinion, you know, so I think I think it's good that there's people that can fly under the radar. And I don't know, maybe that's just justification for, for me not being in the limelight, so to speak. But <laughs> It gives yeah. you some street cred too, I think. So it's cool. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> well, and with with Kat and I being judges, you know, you are you are the man to us. Like th- this is really a cool opportunity for us uh, to get to chat with you after we've uh, been able to judge at different events around the country. Yeah, right on. So the one thing that that I want to know is is like where Boz came from, right? Uh, I know you grew up in Canada. Yep. Uh, on Vancouver Island. What, what was that like? It was great, man. So I was born in Edmonton, which is like more central Canada. And then um, what my family and I actually lived in California for a couple of years when I was young, like maybe six or seven. And um, my dad was coming to school down here. And so the family moved and, and uh, you know, he was down here for two and a half years. So we, my brother and my mom and, and I, uh, lived down here for a few years. And then when I was maybe nine, we moved up to Vancouver Island. And uh, we, you know, I have some family up there. And, uh, you know, we wanted to go back to Canada after my dad was done with school. 
So we settled there and it, it was a great place to grow up. You know, like if you've never been, it's pretty crazy. There's not too many places like it um, in the sense that anything you want to do recreationally is right there. You know, I grew up 10 minutes from the beach and then 30 minutes to the top of a ski hill. So you really can't ask for much more. So, you know, my brother and I were always doing things like, you know, mountain biking and skiing and rock climbing and hiking and all that. Uh, so we're pretty active growing up. And, and uh, looking back, it's like you just take it for granted as a kid. You're like, oh, yeah, everybody grows up that way. And then you move away from that and you get a little older and you're like, oh, no, that actually wasn't typical. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was a great place to grow up. Highly recommended. If you've never had a chance to visit, it's, it's awesome. And so your, yeah. your fitness growing up was like outside activity. For the most part, yeah. Uh, you know, my parents did a really good job of, you know, getting me and my brother involved in pretty much everything that we could do from a young age. Like we all, we played a lot of, um, you know, sports or whatever, but not on a real serious level, uh, not on like a super competitive level. But, you know, like your kids, you get enrolled in soccer and you get enrolled in t-ball and all that. And they, they did a great job of exposing us to a bunch of that stuff. But none of it really stuck as I got older. Like team sports weren't really my thing but there was plenty of opportunity for other recreation like that. Yeah. And growing up, you really were a musician more than anything. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah that's right, man. I, uh, I studied music in university. Um, that's what I, at that point in my life, that's what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I played in a bunch of uh, like high school bands and stuff when I was a kid and um, yeah, that was, that was my, my goal. I wanted to be a symphony player. Um, but didn't, didn't quite work out that way. <laughs> and I jumped ship and uh, moved to California. So what, what, all in, what all instruments did you play? Uh, trombone was my primary instrument. Um, oh. Yeah, I played, played trombone for years and years. Uh, I played bass guitar on the side. That was kind of self-taught. Um, and then, uh, you know, when I moved, I moved to California when I was 20, 21. And uh, stopped, you know, doing a lot with music at that point focused on other things and later on i picked up the drums a little bit and i still have a drum kit in my basement stuff like that i mess around every once in a while but i don't really play that often these days so yeah, yeah. that's really cool so i saw on like an old crossfit documentary type thing on you that you have a vinyl record collection yeah yeah absolutely are you yep. still are you so still doing that yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's funny. I don't add to it as much as I used to, but I have in the front room of our house, we have like a little sitting area and that's where the record player is. And, you know, you sit in there and listen to records and all that. Um, so I, like, I'm not as active as a collector as I was. There's some periods in my life where it's, it's honestly a little problematic, you know, <laughs> so the, the budget at the end of the day, you're like, Oh, I spent how much on records this month? It's probably not so good. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's definitely still there. Um, and you know, like all things it kind of ebbs and flows, but yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause my, uh, my 18 year old daughter is into vinyls now. And, oh, right on. And we yeah. go to record shops around the state of Ohio here and uh, do shopping. And now she's got me collecting because I'm finding old albums from when I was a kid and, um, yeah. and, and grabbing that stuff kind of used, which is really a lot of fun. Yeah, that's cool. And I'll say, man, there's been a huge resurgence in the last 10, 12 years. Uh, you know, lots of bands will put out their stuff um, on vinyl and they'll do all these really cool, like limited pressings and, you know, kind of 
you get the yeah. super fan uh, uh, editions in there and it's, it's fun. So yeah, it's yeah. really cool. I've, I've been sucked into that a few times with the limited edition yeah. runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, so I got to ask you the big question. Do, do you buy your album based on the cover art, the vinyl design inside or the actual music on the vinyl? Yes, yes. And yes. I would say that three, <laughs> three is a close or is, is the leader. Like that's probably the, the number one is, uh, you know, you know, something that you want. And then the other two kind of fall behind that. But yeah, for sure. There's, there's, I think that's kind of the fun part about, you know, like when I grew up listening to music, we had one, it was like a CD slash cassette tape store in the town I grew up in. It was pretty much it. And it was right on the main street there. And it was a really cool thing when I finally saved up enough money and I'd go like try to like dig through their stacks and figure out what they had that I wanted. And a lot of times this is very early internet or like pre-internet, we didn't have internet all the time. Um, and so you kind of took a gamble. You're like, all right, in the constellation of this particular subgenre universe, I know these guys and they're kind of connected to this guy. And I think this person might be connected in some way. So I'm going to roll the dice and buy this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sometimes that would work out and other times it wouldn't, you know, but there's an element of discovery there that I think it's a little different when you've got this digital ability to just like, well, I'm going to check it all out on YouTube first. And not that that's not amazing too, but it's just different. So, yeah. So it's still kind of fun to be able to do that at the record store. You go in, you're like, well, I think this is close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I used to, I used to love the lyrics. Like I can remember sitting in my basement listening to thing and just like having the lyrics on the sleeve that, you know, on the inside sleeve and being yeah. able to be like, Oh, that's what they're saying. Okay. <laughs> Always. Helpful. Yeah. And well, and then that's cool too. Like a lot of bands, they would take the time to like lay things out and like the liner notes were important and you know, yeah. the whole presentation goes into it. It's not just the recording process. It's everything else. And I yeah. think that's, that's cool. You know, it's cool to have that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so do you have a favorite or a couple favorites? No, I, you know, it's kind of the blessing and the curse of going to music school and, and doing that kind of path is that, you know, I got exposed to so much stuff um, at a, at a pretty early age. And one of the biggest benefits was that you, you learn how to listen to music and, you know, things that you n might not necessarily reach for on your own, but you can, understand the merit of it and then you can get into it later because of that you don't have to just go off of this knee jerk i i like this i don't like this immediately um so it's a hard question to answer because like what are we talking about are we what what genre you know yeah. <laughs> are we talking yeah. obscure rock are we talking you know contemporary jazz are we talking like what you know without narrowing that down it's like oh man favorites uh, are, yeah, did you have a day, did, but. Boz, did you have a traditional wedding no you did traditional okay. wedding i was gonna ask you like what was what was played at your wedding you know like what was your wedding song or did you have a dj or a band for a music guy like question. that would be kind of telling yeah no my uh my wife and i eloped and we got married in the back of her godmother's uh backyard and there was three people in attendance so no we did not have a traditional wedding uh you just had your own walkmans and did your own thing yeah pretty much yeah exactly it's pretty so, much what yeah, weddings are uh, looking like now anyway, so. Yeah, fair and... enough. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. I, did, I, I was like, man, where are you going with that one? But no, I get, I get it. <laughs> you, can, you can tell a lot from, about people's musical tastes from their weddings. I know for, for my wedding, during, 
during dinner, we had a DJ and I wanted the soundtrack from Swingers <laughs> to play. Oh, right I don't on. know if you've yeah. heard that soundtrack, but it's, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of jazz and a lot of, a lot of cool eclectic music. So. Yeah. Anyway. Great movie. Old classic. Uh, good at good this stuff. Yeah. Kind of weird to say, but. <laughs> so last music totally, question. Oh, go ahead. Well, I totally dodged your, your question there, Scott. You know, you asked your me favorite, favorite music, and I totally yeah. rambled. So, uh, <laughs> You should refine that and, and, and ask me again. <laughs> so I'll go off, off, off track a little bit and I'll say, what's your favorite punk okay. album? Favorite punk album. Um, oh man. I, my favorite punk album growing up was a, there was a local band from Victoria called Goat Boy and they had an album that I can see the cassette tape, but I don't even remember the name of it. It might've just been Goat Boy, Goat Boy, you know, self-titled, <laughs> I don't know. But um, these days as you know, I get older and that sort of thing, I really, I'm really, I probably hang my hat on like Age of Quarrel by the Cro-Mags is pretty good. Um, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I love punk bands because they always have the best names for everything. Yeah. <laughs> You know, so it <laughs> totally. makes, it, makes it interesting. Um, so last, last yeah. music hey, question. Well, what, hold on. Let's, let's offshoot that. I, um, this is kind of a crazy CrossFit tie-in. You know, I've met so many people through CrossFit and so many people with overlapping interests that I never would have thought of. And uh, one of those, my good friend Martin in Sweden, he, he owns CrossFit Uppsala. And uh, he was the guitar player in, uh, I don't know, infamous... <laughs> <laughs> is the right word a swedish punk rock band called disconto and they're awesome so shout out to martin from that's disconto cool. check them out yeah. yeah that's really cool yeah so my, my last music question is do you like live music yeah so do Absolutely. you go to a lot of concerts or yeah when, when you know pre-covid i would yeah not really concerts though like I, i've only been to a few big stadium style shows in my life um, like the last one I went to was Iron Maiden a couple years ago when they came through town and it's it, like, it's fun, you know, like that I had a blast. It was great, but that kind of large show has never really been something that I'm going to gravitate towards uh, a lot. Like I, I go to a lot of local, like smaller shows. Yeah. Um, but the bigger, you know, stadium Coliseum kind of shows, not, not really my thing. Okay. So, yeah. so one more, one more question about some passions you have motorcycles and bikes. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, man. so what, what are you, what are you riding today? Um, right now I've got a 2003, uh, Harley Davidson Dyna wide glide. Um, it's nothing that fancy, but it's the nicest bike I've ever owned. I've never owned nice bikes. They've always been just like crappy beater bikes, <laughs> <laughs> which are a lot of fun. Cause you can just ride them into the dirt and you don't have to worry about it. Um, but I bought this bike in 2013 and it's, it's the nicest, like most reliable bike that I've ever owned. And, um, I've ridden it everywhere. So it's been great. You know, I, I started riding motorcycles in 2003 and it was kind of a response to living in the city and I didn't have a car. I used to get around by a bicycle and my bike got stolen in the first two weeks of living in the city. Mm. And, uh, my roommate was like, Hey, you know, for the price of replacing your bike, you could probably buy a motorcycle. I said, oh, okay, cool. So that sounds like a good idea. So I did <laughs> and uh, taught myself to ride and never looked back. And, you know, there was a time where I, you know, I didn't own a car from probably 2003 to 2008, maybe. Maybe that's not quite right. But 
there was a period in there where we, you know, my wife and I didn't have a car. We're living in the city. You don't really need one. And uh, just rode my motorcycle everywhere. And it, I could say pretty confidently up until the last couple of years that I probably logged more miles on a bike than I did in a car. I don't think that's true anymore, but yeah. Yeah. I love motorcycles. They're great. Yeah. That's how I, I got around in college for years. Uh, oh, right on. Shine on the bike. Yep. Yep. I did plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> now, now that I'm a little older, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to do that so much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've ridden through some pretty terrible, like in hindsight, I'm like, that probably wasn't a good idea. <laughs> to- totally understand that. Yeah. I've done that myself. Yeah. So, so how did you find CrossFit after, you know, being a musician and, and all that kind of stuff? Where, where did that come about? Well, I moved to California um, and it was really just kind of on a whim. I, I, I wasn't stoked on uh, the music program anymore. It, it, it kind of was like one of those turning points in your life. Like I knew it, music was great. It was, it was, I don't regret studying that at all, but I had to be real with myself that there were a lot of people that had more natural aptitude and talent than me. Like I was okay, but I wasn't great. I had a lot of work ethic and, uh, and, you know, like certainly the discipline to do it, but there were lots of people that had that same work ethic and discipline that also had like a natural ability that was way better than mine. And I would see guys like that, that were incredible players and very driven and disciplined. And they would get out of this program and they'd have to take some crappy tutoring job that they hated to pay the bills and then they got to play, you know, once in a while, the gigs that they actually wanted to do. And I was like, okay, if that's the reality for this guy, who's way better than me, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? <laughs> so I kind of had this reality check of, I just really where I want to, is this the hill I want to die on? And the answer was no. And so uh, I decided I'm going to just jump ship. I'm going to move to California for a year because I had fond memories of being there as a kid. San Francisco seemed like a cool city. Um, which it is and, and was. And uh, so, yeah, I just moved down on a whim. And that's when I really started focusing on fitness. Um, I moved down and, and was training at the San Francisco School for Circus Arts. I was, I was doing acrobatics down there. Um, and I was training people because that, I was. That's a bizarre statement right the there. Could... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had a, you had know, a little right? bit of gymnastics background, right, as a kid? A few that's years. right. Yeah. But, yep. yep. That's exactly right. So yeah, so I jumped in on the acrobatics program there. And I was always interested in like, like when I was in college, I made my own kettlebells because I didn't have the money to like buy them. And they weren't really available. This was like 19 or 2001, I think. Um, when they first started becoming commercially available in, in North America. Um, like I was always interested in that kind of stuff. And so when I started doing acrobatics, uh, I started training some of the people at the school in other things other than like body weight training. Like they wanted to learn how to weightlift or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll teach you. And one of the people there said, hey, you know, you're pretty good at instructing. Maybe you should be a personal trainer. And I said, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even know you could get paid to do that. (laughs) Because I was was working at a grocery store at the time, uh, which was great. But they're like, oh yeah, you know, you can, you can work at a gym. And I just didn't even know that that was a thing. So I did. Uh, I took the bus to LA. I got my personal training ticket and I got a job at Bally Total Fitness and started training people. And, um, you know, at that time I just tried to consume everything that I could fitness wise and uh, eventually stumbled across the CrossFit website in like 2000, 
four maybe. And um, I was like, wow, these, these guys really have something cool going on. And they like to do a lot of things that I think are interesting. And, and then it was just the same story as everybody else. You're like, ah, I think I'm fit. I did a workout. I got crushed. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. And that was, that was that. Yeah. Wow. yeah. So, so it had to take us, there was a moment where it went from you were doing the, the CrossFit.com to you actually being employed by CrossFit. What, what was that sure. evolution? Yeah. Yeah. So I started doing the workouts um, and I was pretty active on the message board and uh, on the CrossFit.com early postings. Actually, side note, I just found uh, there was a main site workout posted a week or two ago that um, I found my results on the main site from 2006, which is pretty cool. And uh, I did that. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm going to do the workout again now, you know, age 20, whatever, versus now I'm 30, I'll be 37. Pretty, pretty quick here. And, uh, and I beat my time. I was like, sweet. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I mean, you think about that, like, was that decade and, and a bit, you managed to stop the hands of time like that. I'll take that as a win. Awesome. You know? <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, point being is that, uh, I was really actively involved in that. I was doing the workouts on my own. I was really training people in my personal training practice that way. And then um, in two, late 2005, Kelly Starrett opened up San Francisco CrossFit. And my friend Sean and I, who used to do CrossFit together, uh, he was like, hey, we got to go check out this place. They, they actually opened up a CrossFit in town. We should go. And at that point, we thought we were definitely the only people in San Francisco doing this, right? And um, it took me a while to get up there because I had personal training you know, the times uh, that were my peak hours were also Kelly's peak hours at that point. So we, we kind of missed each other for a while. But um, by the spring of 2006, Kelly and I had built a little bit of a relationship and he was going out of town for a few days and he just kind of cold emailed me and said, hey, I don't know anybody else that has their level one in the city. I'm leaving for a week or like 10 days or whatever. What do you think about taking over classes here while I'm gone? And I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And, you know, years later, his wife, Juliet, was like, I thought he was totally crazy. They, like, we, we didn't really know you. We're like handing over it the sounds keys crazy. to the kingdom. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so I guess I didn't kill his members or, you know, burn the place <laughs> down or anything. And, and so when he got back, he's like, hey, look, I'm trying to expand. And, you know, at the time he was still in school. His, his first daughter had just been born. The class schedule was super limited. He's like, look, I can't be here as much as I want. What do you think about joining uh, in, in like instructing here full time? And I was like, yeah, of course, it's way better than Valley Total Fitness. I'm in, you know. So over the next couple months, I moved all my clients over that I could, cut ties with Valley Total Fitness, and that was that. And then through that exposure at San Francisco CrossFit, I kind of got my foot in the door through the with the seminar team, and um, same kind of deal. I just started interning. Um, I got fed a little bit of responsibility and, you know, I guess they saw some potential in me and, uh, just kind of kept, kept going that direction until eventually it turned into a full-time thing. Yeah. So it really was like uh, right place, right, place, right preparation, right time, right time yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and are you still on seminar staff? Is that part of your duties or are you not doing that anymore? So I work for the, technically I work under the training department, um, but I haven't been on the road teaching seminars since uh, 
the spring of 2018. So the last couple of years I've been off the road, but I still, I do some staff development with that team and, uh, you know, I help to review some of the instructional materials and, and things like that, but I'm so, not, I'm not on the road anymore. So how many seminars do you think you did in that 10 plus years that you were on staff active? It's a good question. I, I, I think it was creeping up. It was less, I think it was more than 350 and less than 400, but I'm not sure the exact number is in that range. You, you have a patch to indicate that though, right? You have some kind of, do you have a 300 patch or I think so. It's, it's around here somewhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I do, so cool. I, I'd have to find it, but yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Have, have and I imagine like, I'm, oh, go ahead. Have you ever like sat back and thought, like what your coaching tree looks like, you know, in the NFL, they, they have coaching trees like Bill Belichick has all these people he's taught. Well, I know that you were the seminar on the seminar staff for like James Hobart and Julie Fouché. Like, have you ever thought about the trickle down of, of your, your impact? You know, I think that's a really salient question for the times because um, up until recently, you know, you kind of have those thoughts, but with all the turmoil that's happened in CrossFit land over the past, you know, month and a half or whatever it's been, yes, I have actually sat down and thought about that a lot more recently. And, you know, like, you know, everybody knows that Eric Rosa is going to be coming in and, and taking over the, the mothership uh, shortly here. And um, yeah, it, it did give me an opportunity to sit back and be like, okay, hold on, let's stop for a second. I've been working for them officially since 2007 what what it what's happened in that time span and it was actually really good to sit down i actually started a document on my computer i kind of mapped out like all right year by year here's what i've been involved with you know i've done a lot for a lot of different departments in the company as well and so kind of to sketch out like different projects i've been involved in on that end it was really cool to step back and see that because i'm not really good at self-promotion or like i'm not really good at giving myself uh like an attaboy for for stuff I think to my detriment sometimes, you know what I mean? Like it's too yeah. far the other way. Like I want to acknowledge when there's actually been real work done. And so I, it, I found it really useful to go back and be like, oh yeah, like I have been involved and I have done a lot. Um, as far as like names and faces, no, not so much, but like, man, it, it was pretty staggering to kind of look at the numbers and be like, oh man, I've been in front of thousands of people, you know, and those people that I taught have then gone on to be in front of thousands of people. Like that's not a, it's not an insignificant thing. So yeah, it's cool to see for sure. It, it's a pretty cool legacy to leave too, you know? Yeah. How much health have you, have you helped provide? Yeah. I, you know, and it's, it's funny, I guess like where I get caught up is that I'm like, I'm a firm believer that just cause I give you the recipe doesn't mean I've done much for you. You know, <laughs> it's like you ultimately have to bake the cake, so to speak. And so yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. There probably has been a lot of health in there, but I really think it's that it's just that those individuals now have a place that they can start to take the ball and run with it. That's the important thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Kat, did you have something? I'm sorry. Very cool. I know I'm just going to, you know, talk about a little bit about all the traveling you've been able to do with all that seminar stuff too. I mean, you, you've been all over, I would imagine, right? Do you have any kind of highlights from the road in terms of seminars oh, or places you've been? Yeah, I, you know, the, it's funny, like people ask that question all the time. They're like, oh, what's the best place you've ever been? And I'm like, I, I don't know. 
it's there's so much merit to so many different places and i think anybody who's done a lot of traveling it's like you can travel to go see something you know like the white cliffs of dover or whatever um but i think ultimately most of the time when you travel it's the people you end up spending that time with that really makes the experience and to a t that's the craziest thing about my experience on the road is that everybody's just been so awesome you know it didn't matter if we were in like Leavenworth, Kansas, or Singapore, people would just open their door to you and be so receptive. Um, that's what really blew me away. So, you know, I think that's an easy question to answer in terms of like, oh, I really loved going to Denmark, you know, or whatever, which mm -hmm. was cool. But at the end of the day, uh, I think the coolest thing is that you just get to experience, or at least I did, I got to experience a bunch of places I wouldn't have gone to on my own, you know? no interest to go to a lot of these these places because I just wouldn't have known otherwise and meeting people there that have just turned out to be super awesome and making friends that you know like I have some long-standing friendships now with with people in these places that I never would have gone to on my own volition so that I think is one of the coolest things about that um but I mean, if you got to pick on location, like man, Iceland, you can't beat it, you know. Said <laughs> uh, <laughs> the street food market in Singapore, amazing, you know. Like, there's definitely things like that. That yeah, yeah those are awesome too. But man, it's the people, you know. For sure. So when you were doing this uh, retrospect of kind of all the things that you've been involved with, are, is there a one or two that like stand out of things you're just really proud of? Um. Yeah, you know, the, the level two um, started out as a pretty rough exam. And it wasn't a, like the, there was some course of instruction, but it wasn't like a real big um, emphasis. It was there was a test involved and it was really hard and, and that sort of thing. And I had a lot of uh, hand in developing that to what it is now, where it's much more of like a coach's workshop. And so I'm pretty proud of that and the work that went in there. Um, I helped to develop a lot of the original testing that we did for both the level one, the level two and the level three. So that, that's pretty cool. And um, the, on the games front, you know, like I really think I, I was just really lucky that like I was there since 2008 and uh, like I really helped to on the ground level of how that sport happens and is administered. I, like I helped build that, you know, <laughs> kind of hard yeah. to, to even say it out loud, but it's like, it's the truth. It didn't exist. And, and now it does. And most of the on the ground implementation of that, as far as, you know, how to actually execute on the field, that, that was me and, and the people working with me. So that, yeah, I'm, re I'm really proud of that. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, a hot button thing now. And um, it's funny to me how people don't, look at the games as still this emerging thing. I think a lot of times people get really caught up in, they believe it's like a, like a, a more established sport, like, like football or, or basketball or whatever. And then they, when things change or there's a shift, it's like this tradition has just been ripped out from underneath them. And you're like, no, 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 we've, we've done that for two seasons <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I think it's, it's hard for people to keep that bigger perspective that this is still very much, a blossoming thing and it's not going to be perfect and it's going to be iterative and, and, you know, it gets better every time. So, yeah. So you mentioned that Eric Rosa ha is, has just come on and there's been some turmoil. I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear there was turmoil at CrossFit. 
I know. What, what's going on? Is there stuff happening? Um, yeah, right? It's been a busy month. That, I don't know. Yeah, that was the joke. I deleted Instagram off my phone at the beginning of June. And like, you know, obviously I still had a lot of contact with, with people and that sort of thing. But that was, that was the joke was like, oh, I'm going to just start posting and again and be like, hey, guys, what's up? Been out for a month. <laughs> How are you doing? Exactly. But, well, speaking of Instagram, so before I call this like before the tweet, you were doing Instagram live, right? So you were doing yeah. these live yeah, sessions yeah. where you were just sort of like picking people who were following and, uh, and having these conversations. What, what sort of sparked that with you? That seemed, it, it seemed, I was, I loved it and I got to catch a few of them. Um, but it seemed not necessarily within thing that you would normally do. Right. And so yeah, I'm surprised by it. Absolutely. And I'm just wondering what the thought behind was it? Well, it, I think it was kind of like a, a bunch of different factors. You know, we had the COVID, we've been months deep in that for a while now. I think everybody was kind of at that point and still is just itching to have any sort of connection, uh, myself included. Yeah. And um, so there's that. Uh, and then I had through that kind of three or four month period, I had been um, asked to do a lot more podcasts and just kind of discussions. There was a lot of gym owners that reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we're trying to keep interest with our members. We do like a Friday afternoon wind down kind of thing. It's just casual. Would you mind jumping on at the end of our Zoom class and just have, you know, saying hi to everybody or doing a Q&A or whatever? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. So I did a couple of those. And one of the guys that contacted me was from Jordan, uh, the country of Jordan. And uh, he had me on his Instagram live for his members. And there was an hour long limit on that, which I, I didn't know that that was the thing. but the, kick you off after an hour and I said oh well hey if you're gonna get kicked off like let's just keep it going on my channel so I basically like hung up and started it again and then we jumped back on and kept going and then he had to, to leave and so it was like okay well anybody else who's still around you want to talk like I'll just add you and we can we can do it and uh, I had a good time with it it's like oh it's kind of fun I should just do that to do it <laughs> so I did <laughs> and that was it I mean there was no like there's no high aspiration with it or any any sort of forethought it was just like oh that was fun let's do that again uh and then i kept doing it and then the world started falling apart and i was like you know what i don't want to have <laughs> the same conversation with eight different people about what's going on at crossfit like i you know i know as much as you guys do right this is this is going to be a boring conversation you know <laughs> as much as people love to riff on on stuff like that i was like ah, <laughs> i don't think i need to really add i'm not yeah. going to be adding anything to this so you know well it was a nice so surprise a break. for sure oh right on yeah glad you enjoyed it yeah, I'll, i might bring it back I'll, I'll, I'll see i think you should i think we'll it's see. time yeah okay <laughs> so so have you met eric yet i know i know you guys did yeah. a thing at, at hq uh, the other day, I saw Dave's live IG with you putting everybody through a workout in the parking lot uh, right before the meeting. <laughs> yeah, we uh, Eric came down and addressed uh, everybody at uh, Scotts Valley office um, on last Wednesday. And then we had a, a site meeting for the games uh, that Thursday. And so he was around for all of that. So that was the first time I had an opportunity to meet him face to face and you know, he's, he's done several Zoom addresses to, to employees and things like that, but that was the first in-person meeting I had with him. Yeah. And any general impressions you're willing to share? Um, you, you know, I think that 
it's just one of those scenarios where we just have to wait and see. Um, I'm very like neutral positive about the whole thing. Um, you know, I, I'm generally of the opinion that I'm going to enter into most things in good faith and believe that people want to do the right things. And, and, uh, and I think, you know, he's obviously got a connection to the community. He's, um, he's obviously cares enough that he's going to put a whole bunch of capital on the line. So why wouldn't he want the best for it? That's, that's the take that I'm, you know, working off of. Um, and, you know, at this point, it's just one of those scenarios where it's like, all right, he's, he's not officially in the driver's seat yet. So there's only so much he can be doing. And, and really right now it seems like he's doing the right things. He's, he's trying to investigate as much as he can and he's trying to, uh, you know, get, get a hold on the community at large and try to educate himself about what we are and, and, and what we're doing. And, and, you know, so all, all of that to me is just, yeah, I, I'm going to wait and see what happens, but it's definitely like on the positive end of that. So yeah, we'll see. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Did I, did I hear something about um, your coaching at HQ now? Your coaching classes or did I miss I, that? Sort of. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, when, when Dave assumed the CEO position, um, he thought it was important that we start just getting together a little bit more regularly. And one of the things he's like, you know, we used to be a lot better about having a workout that staff could come to just even if it was sporadic, you know, once a week or once a month or whatever, but we could all get together and, and just do what we do. And he's like, we should bring that back. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds like fun. So well, what do you think about leading it? Like, yeah, sure. So it's, it's pretty casual. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we've been doing that once a week and, uh, and it's been fun. You know, I don't get to coach in that setting very often anymore. So it's a blast for me. Um, yeah, I kind of miss that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's fun. It's been good. That's great. So I have a few questions about just the judging community as a whole. Um, you know, Kat and I are a part of that and we're, we're a yep. pretty tight knit group. We have our own Facebook page and, and kind of yep. talk throughout the year. And so I, I don't think a lot of people know what goes into judging at, sure. at the big yep. events because, you know, we are generally the first people in the door and the last people to leave at the end of the night. Um, yep. And it's a, it's a lot of work to be a judge and, and it's all volunteer. Yeah. Yep. So any, any thoughts about that, that group that you, you get to work with on a, on an annual basis? Um, yeah. I mean, lots of thoughts. It's, that's like the, that's like your favorite, favorite band question, you know, it's like, <laughs> Oh man, which direction do you go with that? Uh, I, I, yeah, I totally echo your sentiment that it's always mind blowing to me how hard and dedicated how hard people are willing to work and how dedicated to the job they are. And, um, you know, it's often thankless and it's often not for any sort of like personal gain, um, which is awesome. You know, it's, it's really amazing to see. Uh, so that is great. Um, I think, you know, I really hope that we have in the opportunity in the future, a little bit more opportunity to create some more, you know, training and just resources for people that, that do invest so much time in that. Um, because I do think that that's something that we haven't, spend as much time on as we could uh, in the past. So, you know, that's certainly something I'd like to see. Um, yeah, it's, I, I guess like what I think is really interesting about the whole thing is how low the rate of incidents is generally and how, you know, like there's always going to be a couple of high profile mistakes. I wish there weren't, but Hey, that's sports, you know, <laughs> that's right. one of those things. 
Um, but generally speaking, you look at like the hundreds of repetitions that are done in the span of a competition, and you look at the general field uh, of fairness that's created from that. And, and overall, it's, it's usually pretty good. And I think that only happens because people are so dedicated to it, you know? So yeah, I think it's um, evolving like everything else. Um, I, think, I think if you look at where it was five, six, seven years ago and, and where it is today, I think it's very different. And I think it'll probably be the same in five, six, seven years from now. Like the level of expected competency is just way higher um, as it should be. So, so yeah, so how it's did you, how did, people's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. So, so how did you go from seminar staff to being the head judge um, at the CrossFit Games? Yeah, so we, you know, in the early days, CrossFit was a pretty small company um, and there was a lot of different, like we didn't have at that time, like really well-defined well, this is your job and this is the description of your job and this is the department you were. No, it wasn't anything like that. <laughs> so uh, we all were kind of of the opinion that you just, you know, there's lots of work to be done. We're going to do the work. And they were holding the second uh, games and I was working on the seminar team and Dave and Tony Budding at the time asked me if I'd like to, if I, if I was going to be there to help out. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So Dave put me in charge of one of the workouts, which was the deadlift burpee workout. And um, by the end of that, he, uh, by the end of the weekend, he was calling me the head judge. And like, I helped him with some of the demonstration. I helped him with, you know, some of the, the organizational things. And it was just kind of that afterwards. Uh, it, it was just bestowed upon me. So <laughs> yeah, I think I, yeah, I think at the time, you know, Dave and I had worked on the road a lot together. You know, people forget that Dave was um, on the seminar team and did a lot of seminars himself and ran those uh, and had a big part in organizing how that developed. So I worked with Dave quite a bit on the road. And uh, like, I, you know, we traveled together a lot and trained together a lot. And so I think based on that relationship, he knew that I would, you know, work well for the position or I don't know. I don't know what he saw in me, but, <laughs> but here we are. So. Are, are you allowed to talk about um, judging plans for the games this year? I know obviously it's going to look a lot different than in years past. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the short answer is like, yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about it, but there's nothing concrete because it's such a moving target. Mm -hmm. You know, the way it looks um, with all the COVID restrictions, uh, you know, obviously we have a, a medical protocol that is, being built out and and refined as things unfold um you know we're planning to have i think almost all of the staff is domestic uh at this point mm -hmm. um pending any any changes you know safe, safe to say though that you're going with seminar staff for judges exclusively for this for this game yes yeah okay yep and that's kind of what and I that's meant. uh you know yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, that's, that's something that I think is interesting, too. Like, at the, at the games on the individual level, that's been the case probably since 2010, I would say. Except last year. We got, to, we got to do some individual stuff because right. we had 8 that's million right. individuals yeah. there. Yeah, that's right. We did have the, the crossover uh, last year, which was a lot of fun. I thought that was it super was cool to have everybody yeah. involved. Um, and that event was, <laughs> was so chaotic with Insane. so many people. And <laughs> I, I thought it was great. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be staff this year. Um, you know, we're still very much ironing out the details and everybody's kind of 
acting as if like, yes, we're still going to go ahead with it. We're still going to make the best of it. Who knows if that's uh, what the greater powers that be uh, have in store for us, but, <laughs> but we'll see. Just, just yeah, do, we're, me we're planning as if. do me a favor. Do me a favor, boss. Keep, keep Ackerman out of the center lanes. Okay. He can't stop okay, talking about, deal. you know, all the yeah. famous people he gets to judge and it's really annoying. So. I will. Yeah. The uh, only reason we keep them there is it's good visuals, right? Because the athletes are so much taller. Because you can see. Them, so yeah. The I get camera it. can see over them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a trip. Expect that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he's a funny guy. <laughs> he um, he, funny. He just announced that he and Roz are having a baby. I don't know if you oh, heard good that. Good for them. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, they've been trying. They've been trying oh, for a man. bit now, and uh, they are expecting in February. Oh, so. that's awesome. I'm, I'll text them uh, when this is done. Yeah, tell them I told congrats. you. That's, that's great. Yeah, I will. Very cool. Do they, do they know? Is it going to be a boy or a girl? Do they know? I don't think they've come out and talked about that yet. So Okay. We'll see. All right. Maybe secret. Little Jay Jr. <laughs> Love it. Junior, that, yes. <laughs> we need two, right? Because the world needs two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Maybe Fern, He's been Fern will be the... Will Fern be the godfather or, or will oh, it be I mean, Dave, I, I, Dave Lipson? I feel like it's kind of got to be Fern, don't you think? Maybe, yeah. Vern, I mean, they, Fern, Fern, whatever. Yeah, they've had a long-standing uh, bromance at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's painful. Painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so let me ask you about training. So have you, yeah. what's going on with level four? Do you, do you have any insight into that? Because I know, yeah, I think you, know it you guys was, were kind of on the brink of maybe yep. launching it or announcing it, and then all this craziness happened. So, you know, it's funny. At the beginning of March, we had a meeting um, with some of the there, there's a testing group that we've used for a long time, and they help us determine things like passing score and trying to make some of the materials more objective, and you know, all of those types of things that go into writing and, and maintaining a good assessment. Um, and so we had a meeting, a final meeting with those guys at the beginning of March, I think. And my wife's birthday is March 8th. And so it was, I think it was right before then, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I was home for her birthday. Anyway, sorry. Just rem remembering it all. Uh, so we had a meeting about that. And that was like one of the last steps that we needed before we were going to start making it happen. And then the world fell apart. And so it's like, ah, it's just rough timing on, yeah. the, uh, on the level four. So is as far it, as so I know, is it going to be an assessment and a test then? Yeah. So is it, there's going to be a test too? Okay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, it, it, no, no, no. It's going to be a, like a performance assessment. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, so it'll somewhat be similar in, to what it was person. before, right? Uh, no, it's actually a lot more comprehensive. Um, oh, okay, good. The, the way, yeah, it's, it's definitely more involved. Um, which I think is really great. Like if you, if you're going to be able to pass that, it'll definitely be somebody who you're going to, you're going to know that they have the skills necessary to take people through a good class and, you know, you'll deserve, instruct you'll deserve people the that title. they're not comfortable with. And exactly. Yes. Yeah. Good. So. That's great. But yeah. I don't have a lot to do with that other than, you know, being called in for that kind of final uh, vetting and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure where they are with all the, the COVID, but I know that that was like, we were close. They had some on the schedule to, uh, to start doing as like dry run. Cause that, that's part of the thing oh, nice. with uh, working with these testing groups is you have to collect X amount of data on your test. And so you effectively have to run like a bunch of betas. 
-hmm. and get that test result back, analyze that data, see if your cut score actually matches up with what you intended it to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and they were in that stage of scheduling those out and then, sorry, nobody can go anywhere. <laughs> right. So, yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully soon, soon. <laughs> so um, we actually reached out to our uh, judging group and said, hypothetically, oh, cool. if you were to ask Boz some questions, what would they be? So we grabbed a couple of those. Great. We just wanted to throw those out to you. Um, yeah, right on. The first one is, um, can you tell some stories of people who were trying to cheat the system and you busted them? Uh, <laughs> you don't have to name um, names. You don't have to name names. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've ever seen, well, not that I haven't ever seen it, but like in the live competition, I don't know. There's not that many people that are like overtly cheating. Um, and nothing really immediately jumps to mind. There's definitely people that uh, I call them habitual line steppers. You know, it's like you put the line here and they're going to get right up as close to it as, as close as they can. And then they're going to make a big uh, stink about it when you're like, hey, you're real close to that line. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but like as far as blatant stories now, like I can think of a lot of briefing stories uh, where people ask wacky questions or I can think of like certain incidences with certain athletes where we've had to like resolve some conflict or whatever, but not nothing like really blatant like that. Yeah. So, maybe, so maybe there was one time there was, there's one time where we had like a shuttle sprint kind of scenario and there was somebody that was clearly not like reaching over the line. Like we were, were briefing and that, yeah, that, that had to get resolved, but yeah, there's, <laughs> there's been a few incidents like that. <laughs> so what's a wacky briefing question? I know we, as judges, we uh -huh. sit through the briefing. Yeah, um, and, and there's always crazy questions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't, I won't name the guilty, but uh, there's been a few times where we had, uh, I remember in 2012 or 13, there was this great event on the track at Carson that we used to do. And it was a big rope climb and then a sled push. And you run back and do some rope climbs and then sled push. Very simple event, right? Like you, you do some rope climbs, you push that sled. You do some rope climbs, you keep going until you get the sled over the finish line. That's it. <laughs> it's like you can get above that line on the rope and you can push the sled past that mark on the field. You got it. That's as hard as it is. And, uh, you know, we, we talk this through. The athletes are all ready to go. The brief's about to end. And I get this question kind of growing from the back. And this guy puts up his hand and he's like, well, how are we going to know when to stop pushing the sled? And it took me a second to even figure out what he was trying to ask. I'm like, are you asking me, have we marked the field? Is that, is that really what you're asking me? <laughs> of course we marked the field. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's a big white line. Like that's, that's it. <laughs> what do you mean? How are you going to know? Like, no, I just go until you're tired, I guess. <laughs> Turn around. Yeah. Just, I don't know. We had another instance where um, it was a final event and it was the year that uh, they had to do, I think it was grace, rest a few minutes, Fran, rest a few minutes, Isabel, back to back to back. And the final event on the stadium in, in Carson. And it's like, man, those guys are all so familiar with all those workouts. Like you don't even have to do much. It's the end of the weekend. Everybody's destroyed. It's been a rough event. You know, everybody's tired. They just want to do it. Get through the briefing. And uh, same thing. Somebody like creeps their hand up from the back. And the question was, okay, okay, okay. So, after three, two, one, go, what happens? <laughs> Everybody's like losing their minds. They're like, oh my God, are you serious? 
you got to step through this all again. Uh, unreal. But <laughs> so yeah, there's been there's been a few instances like that where it's, it's a little surprising. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe so it's just nerves. Days, you know, I think yeah, for sure. I think that's part Hopefully. of it. Uh, you know, I, again, I think people genuinely just want to do it right. You know, and it matters. And they're they're yeah. trained a long time, so yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> But I'll tell you, man, there's a lot less of that these days. And uh, it's funny. It's, it, 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 it's like a behavior that kind of spreads. Um, in the early days when things were less defined, you get a lot more like oddball questions. These days, when you have people that like, in my opinion, are like real professionals, like the Rich Fronings of the world, the Tia Claires of the world, you know, they're pros. And they show up and sometimes you give these briefs. You brief an event and it's like any questions and everybody kind of looks to Tia or Matt or Froning and it's like, oh, they don't have questions. Okay, we're done. We're going to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Move along. It's, it's cool. Yep. Uh, so the next one was about the open announcements. Uh, back in the day yeah. when we did the live open announcements, uh, was there any pressure to not call a no rep during those? Because no. No, no, not at all. I, nope, I knew not that at was all. your they, answer. I couldn't believe people were actually asking. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not. There was, <clears throat> if anything, we were very aware of trying to be strict with that because especially um, that, again, that's a, a whole iterative thing, right? Like when we first decided, oh, we're going to do these announcements. We're like, cool, we did them. And then you don't realize the impact and, and how um, literally people are going to take the performances of those people that they see do it first. And so like the first year we did it, we're like, oh, wow, like this is the high watermark and, and we really have to nail that. So if anything, it was the directive was to be stricter than you need to because people are going to see it and they're going to use that as like, this is the high watermark. So if it's not there, you know, they're going to they're going to slide beyond that. So and not not to say that it always was as strict as it as it may have or, or that it should have been, you know, uh, but. Yeah, if anything, the directive was, no, man, this has got to be dialed in. So Certainly the, not lack. <laughs> the, the last question I'm going to throw at you was, was actually asked by several people. And oh, I'm cool. betting you, you know what it is already. Mm. Handstand push-up standards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, why, why so many? I mean, is there... <laughs> That's a great question. I, you know, for my money, I really think that standards should be as simple as possible and as fair as possible. And the more that you layer on to somebody to have to remember in the moment, it's going to create problems both directions. You know, you're going to have the athlete that has maybe something that's a little more arbitrary that then now they have to think about. And then you have the judge in the same scenario, but from the opposite end, having to think about these things and, and worry if, if they're all matching up. But at the same time, you have to preserve kind of the, the intention of the movement and I don't know. The handstand push-up just seems to be such a challenge on that end. Uh, I, I'm personally not not super satisfied with a lot of the uh, open standards necessarily. I think in live competition we've handled it a lot better, and it's usually a simpler standard. Um, but the challenge there is that when you are putting it out to a couple hundred thousand people around the world, if the parameters aren't tight, it tends to get pretty fuzzy. Um, so. Yeah, the handstand uh, push-up uh, standard, I think it's still working. I'm going to go on record. I must have really yeah. long forearms because I have 
a sub three minute Diane time on, on a good day. And yeah. the last open workout with the Diane and the everything else, I didn't finish Diane. I didn't finish in like the eight minutes <laughs> well, or whatever know, it was. And it, I mean, I felt like me. I was on my fingertips, like every yeah. time trying to get that rep, it was awful. I think that opens up a broader conversation though about training and competing. And I feel that a lot of times people, and, and I'm not saying that you fall into this camp, yeah. but I do think it's common that a lot of times people will, through their training, they will start to, intentionally or not, maximize the performance of a movement without necessarily preserving the intention behind that movement. That's and fair. so like, in my opinion, if you have a movement like a pull-up, the ultimate goal is to be the best at the hardest version of the pull-up that you can pull off, not to be the most efficient at the one that allows you to do the most reps. And I think people mix that up a lot. And so for, in the case of the handstand push-up, I'm like, okay, you have somebody that's like truly competent at the handstand push-up. If their hand position is here or here, yeah, obviously there's a mechanical difference, but it shouldn't take them out of their game that much. You know, and at the point that it does, are you really training the handstand push-up, or are you just training this one narrow expression of it so that you can compete in what you hope is going to be that same narrow expression? And I think that's missing the mark a little bit. You know, so um, yeah, any 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 time that you see those kind of big discrepancies, I'm like, hmm, I'd be curious to see like how often the the more challenging version of that movement is trained instead mm -hmm. of it just being kind of written off as like, oh yeah, I can crank out. 40 handstand push-ups. I'm like, oh yeah, really? Can you? <laughs> I, I love that. Let's see what that looks like when we Yeah. Yeah. I still yeah. have long forearms though. Sorry. <laughs> Being you both, I dude, I have like the longest arms ever and it, it sucks, but we gotta do it. I, I, it's actually something that Louis Simmons, like we we got to visit him in 2009, and one of the things, a lot of things stuck with me from that. But one of the things he talked about all the time, he's like, training should be hard. You should make your training intentionally more difficult than the competition is going to be for that reason because you want it to go that direction you want to enter into competition and be like oh that was less demand on me than i thought it was going to be rather than entering into competition and being like holy shit that was way harder than what i have prepared for and i'm like yeah that's right on the money you know no, that is. that's what we saw with like the mayhem yeah. team last year right i mean they, they walked right. away from yep. the games or something they, they were like that wasn't even that hard <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well and so that i think is the interesting like going back to the handstand push-up question mm -hmm. like okay like the standard or hate it whatever like i get it yeah people are going to gravitate and have their own opinion fine um but if you know that you have a standard that might be challenging and like it or hate it whatever you there's a possibility that it's going to show up and it matters to you to try to get to that next level and you haven't come prepared for that I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Maybe it's okay that you didn't make it past that stage at that point. Uh, clearly, you didn't have the professionalism to, you know, make that what it needed to be. So, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah for I, people I think, that are competing, okay that. yeah, it makes that makes sense. Yeah. Um, along yeah. those along those same lines too, we we heard um, Dave talk a little bit. I think it was Dave. I, I've heard so many people talk about so many things in the last month and a half. Um, oh, I'm the same. It all, it all starts to like, right? I'm like, Oh, who said that? <laughs> yeah. I may have made it up too. Um, the open talking about the fact that there may be like divisions in the open. 
potentially like where there's like a pro division versus like a everybody else division so that like <coughs> one me. random guy who happens to be like this freak at whatever can like mess up the standings you know for these elite athletes that are trying to actually like move on to you know comp professional competition thoughts on that or did i dream that up what do you think about it no i think that you're right i think dave had mentioned uh some of that and you know i don't have a lot of insight on that you know i think that that's definitely something that will be explored in the future but i haven't been part of a lot of those conversations yet you know like we we have such a tight time frame between well you know we had all this drama happen and the changing of hands and all this the games are still looming they still are and so there's some ideas out there that i that you know will be developed but at this point it's like man we have such a small time frame to focus on the immediacy of what's in front of us that i don't i don't think there's really been a lot of like uh structure built around mm -hmm. that yet you know but not to say that it won't be but I, in my, my personal opinion i think the more opportunity that people have to participate in a way that makes them feel like they're matched with their ability level or whatever the, the better great you know I, I don't see any problem with that um obviously you got to know what the details are and how it's going to be implemented and all that but and you got to keep people in their right categories Buckets. and you know yeah. of course everybody cares about that but uh but yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm all for like, let's get as many people involved in the way that they are having the best experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. So I just want to finish up with uh, a little bit about your garage gym. Uh, oh yeah. You, you are the king of the garage gym. You've, you've been doing your garage for, for years. Yeah. And you had to be so prepared for COVID because that's just oh, how man. you work out every day. I'm really lucky. And well, it kind of comes full circle. You know, how I got involved in CrossFit was a, a combination of like right time, right place, right preparation, you know, right personality, personality, I don't know, whatever. Same kind of thing with this whole garage gym thing. I've always enjoyed working out on my own. I've always had equipment on, you know, in my house or whatever. Like I, when I was living in San Francisco, uh, I had a door jam pull-up bar and a 24 kilo kettlebell. And I used to do kitchen workouts all the time. I, my apartment was like 500 square feet, you know, didn't have any space to do anything, but I would work out in my kitchen. And I never ran out of things to do with those two pieces of equipment. And uh, through the years, I've always collected bits and pieces, but I never really had a place to put it. Um, and then we moved to uh, where we are now and we got this garage that's great and uh, started pulling all the equipment back. And like, since they've started making uh, the dated games edition plates, I've always hassled Bill and Katie and I'm like, hey, you know, I gotta get some of those. So every year after the games, I'll get a, 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 some of the plates from that year. And so over the last decade, I've started amassing those and uh, now I've got a pretty decked out gym because of it. Uh, so I'm That's lucky. Great. And our, our, you know, our gym is affiliated. Um, Pre-COVID, we had a little group that would come over a couple times a week and work out, and it's pretty casual, but but it's fun to get everybody together. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really, really lucky. I could I could survive here for a long time. <laughs> so what's behind you? Is are those T-shirts from different events and yeah gyms? These are all different different gyms and uh, you know places I've visited or people that I know um, that have given me shirts over the years. Uh, it extends further down. Jeez. Technical fail there. Um, it extends all the way down the other side, and uh, I have a bunch more in a box that I haven't put.
put up yet. And I'm just kind of like, I've filled up this wall. So I'm like, I don't know, do I go on the ceiling? Do I start taking over other walls? I've got a bunch of like, you can see like the games banners in the back there too. Yeah, that's cool. So I've got a bunch of those over the other walls. Um, so yeah, now it's just like, all right, what's, what's left? What else can we cover? <laughs> And the last thing I have is um, I've been watching the Mayhem channel and I saw that Roe is doing Mayhem Athlete programming right now and trying to mm. do like a full week. Is that in gearing up to take you on an, uh, on another battle? Oh, man, he better come correct if that's... <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. I hope so, man. That was one of the things that um, I, I, on a personal level, that was a really hard... Uh, thing to to give up you know and they were like now nah, you know we're, we're obviously changing the shape of the games it's going to be a lot different um and that was one of the things that kind of got cut out of that and like that was hard you know um and yeah, so it was one of my funny over the, to watch you guys oh thanks yeah right on yeah we had a blast with that it was it was great um and nerve-wracking and all of that you know but uh during covid we actually jumped on a couple of zoom classes and were featured going back and forth against each other and he kicked my butt he got me like I think two out of three workouts we did so oh. there's that uh so I don't know I, I like if on a, on a totally selfish level I really hope that there's opportunity to do that sort of thing again in the future I would love that um you know we'll see um but yeah he better he better get to get in shape yeah I actually um I met you in row and in Columbus when the 17.1 I believe at Rogue oh yeah uh, yeah, and you guys, you guys did the workout there. Yeah, so that after the cool workout, one. I got a picture with you. You guys are like dripping in sweat, and yeah. <laughs> right. that that was always the funniest thing, right? Is that you have these athletes <clears throat> that come out and they're pros, and they'll just like destroy this workout, and then they're so composed. Ten seconds later, they can give an interview, they can like do whatever, and I'm like, you always kind of trick yourself into thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, it doesn't seem that bad or whatever. And you finish the workout, you're like, good God, what happened to me? And then people <laughs> want to talk to you and you're just like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how they can stay so composed. It's, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, I guess that's the difference between like the mere mortals and the, and the pros. You know? <laughs> one of, one of the differences. One of, yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else, Kat? Cause, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. I, you know, I hope, I hope we get a chance to get back to the games like normal next year you know, and, and get to work with you again. Cause that was just a great experience. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I could talk to you all night, Boz. Like you are, you're just cool and laid back. Cool. And, uh, oh, but, but we, we, we try well, to keep this hey, to about an hour just to. So yeah. Fair enough. I'll, I'll, maybe on that note, I'll end with, um, you know, in, in my opinion, people need to remember that CrossFit, and, and this has really been highlighted, I think, over the past couple of months, is that it's the people that are doing it. And those connections are really strong. And those connections are interpersonal. And this abstraction of whatever's going on on the internet is it's just that. It's just noise and, and abstraction. And uh, it's a, I think it's really important to focus back on this is a subculture within a subculture. We, uh, there's the greater fitness community and people that actually care about their health. That is a subset of the population. And then within that subset, you have us. And everybody within that subset, for the most part, is still pretty accessible. And in my opinion, should be accessible for that reason. And it's really important to me that I remain that way. And, um, and it's one of the most distasteful things when I see it, when you have people that have an inflated sense of self 
in this little fish tank of ours. And I'm like, come on, you know, you, you guys know as well as everybody else that this is our little corner and that we're all in it together and that we've all built it together. Let's keep that real, you know? So for what that's worth, awesome. I will continue to, uh, to try to live that ideal, you know? Well, thank you so much. This has been one of my favorite hours that I've spent doing this podcast. Um, and oh, thank you're you just uh, one of the coolest guys in the world. Yeah. Thanks so oh, much for your time. Really you flatter and me. Do, well, do yeah, another hey, lunch guys, hour real soon. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll think about it. And if you guys, uh, you know, want to have me back sometime, just let me know. Awesome. You got it. Thanks, boss. <laughs> yeah. Thank all you. Right, guys. Take care. Have a great Thanks night. for having me. Yep. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends podcast. Remember, you can find us now on YouTube as well as all major podcast platforms. Please go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you use and consider giving us a five-star rating. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time on the Clydesdale Fitness and Friends.